Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday. Joining me now, it is Joe Pisapia from the Fantasy Black Book. Joe, what's going on? No, not much, brother. You know, just uh, living the dream, uh, digging into all the baseball stuff. Uh, got the DFS show out today, as always, for Line Star, and, uh, you know, working on the uh, football book, which should be out uh, June 1st. So, new Black Book coming at you real soon. It never ends, my friend. It never ends. Oh, I know that. It never ends. I'm also doing basketball as well, so it's year-round. Oh, no you're break. crazy. Bad, forget that. Yeah, me adding a third sport, we're actually going to probably be adding a hockey book this year. Really? Spoiler alert. Yeah, we're actually, but I'm not doing it. I, it's under the brand. I've got a great group of people who really know what they're doing, but uh, I, I don't think I could take on a third sport from my, me personally. I think that would be the end of me. Yeah, it's tough, but... It's fun. I could be doing a lot more things that are worse, so I cannot complain at all. 100%. That is true. That is true. What can people expect with your football book? Let them know exactly what you'll be doing. Oh, sure, man. Well, look, you know, it's, it's always relative position value stuff, which we always, you know, go in there. And it's, it's, if you've never read the Black Books before, it's one of the easiest, most applicable systems of evaluation. There's other people who do value-based drafting concepts, but ours is – much more thorough and, and much more specific to helping you. It takes running backs one as a group, running back two as a group. It goes through PPR, through standard. You know, we're really about bringing an understanding value of a player in a format more than anything else in those specific strategies. We've got actual chapters on each specific league-type strategy with breakdowns and mock drafts and things like that. So it's me, it's Nate Hamilton, it's Jake Seeley, Matt Franciscovich, Scott Bogman from In This League is doing the entire rookie class draft recap, and he's also giving us 25 prospect reviews for college football for this coming season. So we're really going above and beyond. We've got DFS in there. we got everything. Chris Meany's involved. Uh, Tim Heaney's involved. Uh, anybody, Heaney, Meany, Mighty, and Mo. And we got the whole group. Uh, it's really a fantastic. Derek uh, Brown from uh, from Quant Edge is working for us this year too. Gary Davenport's doing IDP. It's like the best of the best, man. It's the All Star Edition. All right, so people can look out for that coming June first. We're going to talk baseball here today, and we've seen a lot of prospects come up and go for big money and fab. And one of those players about two weeks ago was Carter Keyboom. Uh, you know, obviously it looked like there was a path to playing time with Trey Turner out. Anthony Rendon was down. But Keyboom really struggled, struck out a ton, and they sent him down to the minor leagues. And I think some people might say, oh, I have big regrets spending all that money. How do you determine when to spend on these prospects? You know, everyone gets excited. They come up, and a lot of them have had success. We've seen Juan Soto, Acuna, but not everyone does it. So 
Have people been way too aggressive with some of these? Tucker from the Pirates is another one where it was spent on, and he's kind of been a little quiet. Yeah, well, here's it's just funny. I would have actually got – that's where I was going. I said I would have actually spent more on Tucker than Keyboom because I feel like there was an opportunity for Tucker to run away with the job. Whereas with Keyboom, it was always a foregone conclusion that eventually his time was going to run out, and most likely when Turner came back that it was going to be – the situation where, you know, he would get squeezed, and I think that's, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at, if you're going to be aggressive with Fab, and most people want to be aggressive early in the season because they have more money to spend, so it's kind of like burning a hole in your pocket, right? If I gave you 100 bucks and sent you shopping, you're probably more apt in the first hour to spend more than in the second hour. <laughs> you know? We'll try it. And you I never think... did that, Joe. Why don't you try it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe I should, Ronis, now that I think about it. But, you know, that's exactly, I think, what happens with some people. They see the new name. And they look at the short-term fix instead of the long-term projectability. And when you're spending money on a Senzel or spending money on somebody who might have more opportunity that when they come up, you know they're going to come up and play every day and stick, regardless of how well they do right away, that, I think, changes things significantly. And Keeboom is one of these guys, too, when you look at him, you know, the prospect profiles in the Black Book, for instance. Keeboom was, you know, kind of a, I would say, a mid-to-late 100s prospect just because there's some peripheral things in his deeper stats that aren't super impressive, plus that opportunity wasn't there. So to me, I think when you're going forward or for next year too, keep in mind if you're going to spend really hard on some of the guys that come up early, make sure there's opportunity, make sure that opportunity is potentially sustainable, because otherwise what you do is you run the risk of spending a lot of money, a guy gets sent down, and then the worst part is they might come back later on, but by the time they come back in July, August, you don't have much fab to bid on them, and you get outbid on the second time, and they actually produce the second time. That happens quite a bit, actually. Do you have a set way to use your fab? Does it really depend on where you are in the standings and what you need at the point? Do you tend to be conservative early in the year or aggressive? Do you have a set formula, or does it kind of vary based on what your team needs? If I was generally speaking, I'm more aggressive early on just typically because – Sometimes when you pick up those guys, you get off to a hot start, and what happens is if you get off to that hot start, sometimes some teams start to check out, and some teams start to you know get frustrated with the way things are going. Plus, it gives you a lot more trade leverage when you pick up a guy like Michael Chavis, for instance. Right? There's a perfect example. If you were aggressive on him, he's definitely not only returned, but he's in a spot now where you look at it and you say, well, this is not really sustainable right now. He's going to have a come-down period, so now you have leverage to deal him with somebody else and bring in somebody. However, I think if you have a $100 budget as opposed to one of those $1,000 budgets, which I think are completely wacky, if you have one of those $1,000 budgets, you could be really aggressive early on. But with the 100 you got to keep in mind, too, especially in Roto Leagues, how much can this guy really help me across the board? Is he a one-category guy? Is he a five-category guy? Is he is a pitcher that can really give me whip and ERA and strikeouts? You know, you got to kind of weigh that, and I think – we should do more of that when we're evaluating players and fab bidding than we should necessarily just on the talent alone. I think sometimes we have to look at our roster, look at the needs, and also look at what that pitcher can give you and see, judge accordingly whether or not they can make those contributions if they're worth an aggressive bid or not. Talking to Joe Pisapia, the fantasy black book. Chris Sale's coming off two pretty good outings, including a dominant one, 10 strikeouts over six scoreless. You mentioned you talked DFS today. He is on the slate today pitching against the Orioles. So do you like him tonight, and do you think he's finally back? Oh, 100%. You know, uh, I actually host the uh, Line Star DFS show. Uh, every day we do MLB, and we do NFL also as we get later into the year. So that's a daily podcast five days a week. And, 
with Snell tonight against Baltimore, I mean, he's been pretty good the last two outings. It's a very strong, chalky play. But I'll tell you what, on DraftKings tonight, you can get a very responsible lineup together with him and Kershaw. If you really want to go chalky chalk in cash and just go to town, you could do that. Uh, even on FanDuel, I think Sale is very easy to get in there. There's a lot of under 3K bats like Puig, Miguel Cabrera, who's uh, on a little bit of a hot streak, has got a lefty uh, matchup tonight uh, as well, which is very positive for him. And if you want tournament-wise tonight, Hendricks against Urena is a great matchup for Hendricks at home. And on top of that, you got Boyd, who's pitched wonderfully. And I know Otani's back and everyone's excited and all, but the Angels have struggled mightily against left-handed pitching, and Boyd's been tremendous this year. So that's a real guy you can build a tournament lineup around tonight. Uh, Martin Perez has looked like a different pitcher this year. Velocity's <laughs> up. He's added a cutter. He's been great so far. Uh, yeah, you... <laughs> I've had to lead a lot of crow on Martin Perez. Oh, okay. So what happened? You you've been you've been. Uh... Well, what happened is a career of Martin Perez sucking at him. You know. No. I, I, I mean, know. you know. But look, I'm happy that the guys figured it out. Actually, on the show this week on the DFS show, I had to finally say, "All right, enough is enough." He has my respect, Martin Perez. I will start owning you. And and you know, it's difficult because. When a guy has a track record that long of being just utterly hittable, not striking out guys, but he, he said it when he came out. Do you remember what he said? His first start, he's like, I'm here to be a, a big-time starter and make my presence known and all this blah, 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 and I'm rolling my eyes. Meanwhile, the guy's done it. You just add him to that pile of Minnesota, who I think right now, with the way the Indians have played and the injuries, they might run away with that division. Oh, they can. I mean, I predicted before the year they would win the division uh, i thought they I yeah i predicted the, them in the playoffs and i didn't have them winning the division i thought the indians would still win out but geez man it's not going well for them i think, I think they're over under before the year is 84 wins and i was like how i mean the al central sucks now i still think they have some questions with the pitching staff you know pineda hasn't been great odorizzi's been phenomenal perez been phenomenal and you have barrio so especially if they can go out and potentially make a trade. Think about this. They had Ryan Presley, who's one of the best relievers right now for Houston. He could have been their closer. He could have. He could have. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the organizations, too, if you look at it. I don't think they want to go this far, but if, if you want to move one of those big-time players like Kirilov for a, a Bumgarner or a Trevor Larnick package with a couple other prospects, they have a system where they could bring in a big-time pitcher like Bumgarner. And that guy all of a sudden becomes a big difference maker. He's pitched well this year, which is not surprising, with money on the line. And I'll tell you what, too, you add him to that rotation along with somebody in that sense that he's got postseason experience, he knows, he's been there, he's done that, he's been successful. That's a huge, not only mental win for that team, but, I mean, that puts him in a, a position where the American League is a little weak right now. You know? And I think that there's opportunity for Minnesota, if they're aggressive, they should be aggressive early on and try to get him sooner than later. Yeah, they're weak, but I have to sit here and watch the Yankees with 75 million injuries just continue to win games with Ursula and all these scrubs, man. It's disgusting. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, I have to watch the Mets with pretty much a full roster and not be able to score a run for Jacob DeGrom. So, you know. That's, you know I was that saying goes. that yesterday. It's like the Mets so far, look, Mets is hurt, Vargas, not that you care, but for the most part, they've been healthy <laughs> And they are still under 500. They are. And it's the same old Mets in the sense that they have trouble generating runs. I mean, in the beginning of the year, that first week, they looked pretty good. But I think then there becomes a bigger problem where you look at it and you say, okay, well, what kind of players do they have who get on base and make things happen? And McNeil is tremendous. I think he's had a great year. we all obviously very impressed with Alonzo so far. But look, Cano hasn't really hit yet. 
I'm sure he will eventually. But the bottom of that order is still not great. You know, I mean, Frazier is nothing to write home about. They're still waiting for Lowry. And Ahmed Rosario, I've said it from day one with that guy. He is not a major league guy that I'm excited about at all. I think he was way overrated as a prospect. He doesn't hit good pitching, let alone mediocre pitching. His defense is subpar at shortstop. I just don't understand the fascination with that kid. And when you think they could have gone out there and really made a move for a Manny Machado-type guy this offseason, it's kind of sad. But what are you going to do? But don't you know that they were never going to add Machado? Of course I do. Okay, because my friend was complaining, oh, what did the Mets do? It's the same thing. I'm like, what did you want them to do? If they're not, you know they're not getting Machado or Harper, so what would you like them to do? Well, I was happy with the Cano move. I was happy with Cano and Diaz. I thought that was a terrific trick. Uh, I, had, I had no problem with that whatsoever. It's just, you know, instead of going for the Jed Lowry's of the world and those guys who are a little older – you know, it's there's no quick fix to these kind of things, as many teams kind of find out. It takes time to build stuff and to get things right. And look, I, I think they're improving. I think pieces like McNeil and Alonzo are are good uh, potential future pieces there. I think McNeil reminds me a lot of Chris uh, Matt Carpenter. I've said that before, and I think he's going to evolve into that kind of player. But you know, until you have somebody real middle-of-the-order presence that's going to scare the crap out of people or be a game-breaker kind of guy. Uh, God bless Cano. He's never quite been that guy. He's a very good player, but he's not like a Goldschmidt. He's not like a, a someone you fear in the middle of the order quite to the extent of, say, a, a, a Stanton or someone like that. Yeah, well, maybe Pete Alonso's that guy, right? He might be. I think Pete Alonso's going to be the next Paul Canerco. You know, that, that's that's the comp for me. And you go look at Canerco's seasons, he had some if he years. turns into that... That'd be true. He had a lot. Go after we're done. You go back and look Paul Canerco's stat lines. Thirty-one hundred, thirty-one hundred. I mean, an impressive run. Good ballpark and all, but still a really great career. Talking to Joe Pisapia, fantasy black book. Joey Votto is he on the downside of his career, or is he someone you would buy low on right now? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The answer to both of those questions, I think, is yes, and I think it's yes because. He's, he's frustrating whatever owner has him. He's coming off a bad year last year. He's better than what he's shown you, but he might very well just be on the downside of his career, and it might be ending quicker uh, or a little bit more sudden than most of us wanted to happen, and that's unfortunate. But I would still buy low on him because I think if you're watching him, he's still hitting balls hard places. He's just had a little bad luck in terms of that. But I don't expect the power to come back to an enormous level. But I don't think a guy who, you know, is a 300 career hitter basically is all of a sudden going to hit 230 in a year. I, I just don't see that happening. So I think, I think you're going to see a, a run in Joey Votto too, and I think you can get him on the cheap. And I think considering first base is pretty lame, you know, <laughs> I think it would be a win if you could get him on the cheap in a trade. I would take the next uh, four and a half months of Joey Votto. You know, Gio Gonzalez, it seemed like no one wanted him. Obviously, Milwaukee took him on, but his two starts have been against the Mets, and for some reason, he just dominates them. So how do we look at Gonzalez? Do you think there's value for him in a 15-team mixed league? Or Yes. yeah, I think there has to be, dude, because look at the injuries we've had. Clevenger, Kluber. I mean, you just mentioned the two guys on the Mets. The tie-on goes out. I mean, Paxson just goes to the DL. I mean, you just want a body right now. And, and at least Milwaukee is a team at home scoring a ton of runs. And, look, yeah, the two stars were against the Mets, and, yes, he owns them historically. But at the same time, I mean, who's taking the ball every fifth day? And I'll tell you what, too, you know, the Houston Astros better figure something out, whether it's bringing back Keiko maybe 
to the back end of that rotation, or maybe it's time to go potentially stretch out Josh James. I would be buying Josh James shares. I bought some in my home league actually today where, you know, I just think as the season unfolds, he's going to get another shot at that rotation. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier in the first hour because McHugh has struggled, and I like McHugh coming in the year, and he's just been terrible the last four starts. Peacock has struggled, and I don't think we all believe Wade Miley can last the entire year, so there could be some (laughs) openings there. I mean, Forrest Whitley, unfortunately, is getting hammered in the minors. His ERA is over 10, but yeah, for a good team like Houston, there could be changes in that rotation. you got to pay attention, and James was one of the names we brought up, so... Joe, uh, just let people know where they can find you. Oh, well, they can follow me on the uh, Twitter machine at JoePizzaPia17. Uh, the new Fantasy Football Black Book will be out June 1. And the Fantasy uh, Black Book Show, the podcast uh, twice a week. Myself, the Welsh, and Scott Bogman talking sports, talking baseball, talking football, and uh, having a good time. So, uh, yeah, that's, and, of course, the DFS show on LineStar as well. That's everywhere you can listen to podcasts. All right, Joe, always good talking to you, and we will speak again soon. Thanks, brother. All right, that is Joe Pisapia, Fantasy Black Book. We'll return, take a look at some of the top stories from yesterday, what it means for your fantasy team. That's ahead right here, full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game time decisions. Sometimes I wake up and I'm, I'm hungover. I'm like, oh, I'll go to the plug. And I'm like, I would have been better off just not waking up. Like, how many Sundays have you sort of forced yourself, like, after partying or whatever? Like, got to get the bets in. NFL Sundays. Oh, no, I did it another time because Vince likes when I go down there, too, to, like, put action in. The one time I'm like, I'm not doing this today. And all of his plays won. I'm like, I'll never do that again. Hey, buddy, you won, like, 300 something dollars. I got to pay the guy. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88. And check out all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. Have a look at Martin Perez and what you should do with him. Are the changes legit? Dr. Otto has his draft recaps going through each of the divisions. Sean Childs breaking down... The outlooks for all the NFL teams, and this is great stuff. He goes in-depth, in detail, 
and starts it off here in May, which is great for you guys. So you can really get a head start and have a leg up on your fantasy football competition. So get the lowdown as he takes a look at the uh, Bills and Patriots so far. Uh, we got fantasy NASCAR rankings. And, of course, if you have any questions, ask them on the message boards and the forums. A lot of trade questions coming in, ad drops. And just try and give us as much context as possible. Like someone asked the other day, should I pick up Joey Votto? Well, you know, how many teams? Who would you drop? What is your need? Yeah, in general, I think you would say, yeah, pick them up. But there might be some cases where your roster is really strong and maybe you don't need them. So you can go there, ask your questions. And, of course, DFS as well, fulltimefantasy.com slash DFS as you can – Get a look at tonight's slate right up on MLB, the optimizer, the Slack chat leading up to lineup block. We have you covered. And if you're ready to draft, play FFWC.com for fantasy football. We have dynasty startup drafts. We have orphan drafts, dynasty orphan drafts. Uh, If you go to play FFWC.com, there's a blue icon right there in the middle of the page where you can click and you can see the dynasty teams. And there's some good teams there. So you might say, you know what? Uh, I want to take this team over. A couple of changers, a trade or two, and uh, you might have yourself a championship team. Obviously, some of the teams, not as good. And maybe you like the challenge of rebuilding something. Whatever it is, you can take a look at those teams there. If you want, you could start from scratch. Dynasty startup draft. Uh, we got slow drafts, different price points, as well as best ball drafts uh, with different time on the clock, uh, online championships. So plenty of ways uh, in different formats and price points. So check it out, playffwc.com. Uh, let's take a look at some of the top things that occurred yesterday, what it means for fantasy. And uh, this player got off to a really slow start this year. And, uh, in fact, I think I got a trade question involving him the other day, and I said, I don't want to give him up. Uh, and anyone who's followed me over the years and read my stuff in the preseason knows I love Justin Turner. I think this guy's a flat-out stud. We didn't really see it with the Mets, but every time I watch Dodger games over the last few years, he just has great at-bats. He crushes the ball. And... The injuries are a factor. There's no question about it. And that's why you see him fall to the 8th, ninth, 10th round. Because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He played 103 games last year, 130 in 2017. So we can pretty much expect him to miss 20, 30 games. But when he plays, he's great. And going into yesterday, he had one home run. So a lot of people were really worried about him. And again, there's a question there on the message board where it involved the trade just turn. I said, no, keep Justin Turner. He's going to be fine, and uh, you saw it yesterday. Three home runs yesterday, and I almost used him in DFS. There was just a few third basemen I liked. He was 36, I think, on DK uh, going against the left-handed pitcher, and Turner was it was going to turn it around, and it's not like he's had a bad year. It's just we've not seen the power yet. He's hitting 302, a 391 OBP, 434 slugging. Uh, the walk rate is where it has been. The strikeout rate is slightly up, but not major, 16.6%, which is really good for most players that we see throughout baseball. Uh, but the key here, the lesson I learned is be patient. You know, uh, I understand we stare at some stats and you're worried. And in some cases, it's justified. There are a lot of signs where you go, hey, you know what, this doesn't look good. Strikeout rate's way up, walk rate's down, the hard contact's not there. But with Turner, if you saw everything, it was fine. He was hitting the ball hard. He was still hitting line drives. So his profile said, He's going to be fine, and at some point, the power is going to come, and we see it with a lot of players. There's usually a power surge in there, and we're, we saw it with Justin Turner. So the lesson here is with players where the profile looks fine, just to kind of stay patient. You know, you don't want to panic and make a trade, and it's still only about one month of the season. And, again, a player like Turner, for me, there was really no reason to have a, 
a major panic regarding him. And if you were able to buy low, that's that's really good uh, because you're going to be real happy about that. We did see the return of Matt Olson yesterday. He was activated from the injury list. He did go 0 for 3. And we all know that coming off the hammy bone is a little bit of a concern. You know, the power we have seen in the past is just not there. And I think he has come back a little bit earlier than we anticipated. I did hit one home run in his rehab stint. So you have to understand that I have Matt Olson in two leagues. I put him back in my lineup, including Tout Wars. And I know it could be a period where he doesn't hit for much power, but in 15 team leagues and the two leagues I have them are 15 teams, you know, there's just not better options. Maybe in a 12 team league, you can be more patient and you were able to pick up a first baseman that filled the void well for him. But you do have to understand that there might be a lack of power early on. We saw the Giants call up Mac Williamson yesterday, and he had a good game. As I mentioned, I used him in DFS. Uh, he was 3,400 on DraftKings yesterday and playing in Coors Field. And the one thing that we do know about Mac Williamson is he does have some power. And we saw it last year. He became a big pickup last year in season-long leagues. And then he had a concussion. And it just really affected him the rest of the way. And the Giants outfield, I mean, they are getting no production at all from the outfield. So I think a lot of people are going to look at Williamson as a pickup. But uh, I do think that he's got some power. Now, the park is not ideal. We know it's a very tough park there in San Francisco, uh, especially more for left-handed hitters, though, as I've mentioned endlessly with Brandon Belt hitting those balls 421 feet off the wall or into the glove of the right fielder. Very frustrating because I think Belt in another park would just go off. But Williamson's 28 years old, and we have seen power from him. Uh, I think he is a guy with uh, a lot of injuries that you can pick up, and I think he'll be... Uh, popular ad this weekend uh, in AAA this year. He was hitting 378 with nine homers and 22 RBIs in 23 games. And he had the hot start last year when he came up, uh, but the injury was a factor. So I think at 15 team leagues, I'm going to add him. I don't know about 12 unless you're really struggling, but certainly think that uh, in 15 teamers, he is someone that you can look at. Uh, we talked about Freddie Peralta and he had a good performance yesterday. Five innings, no runs, five strikeouts. Now, he would. there was an opener used in front of him. So, I don't know if that had an effect mentally, if it helped him. I've talked endlessly about some of these pitchers that struggle in the first inning for some reason. And Peralta has the ability to dominate. Part of it was a Nationals lineup that is pretty weak. So you do have to take that into account. Uh, and I feel like maybe... I might get sucked back in to adding Peralta because I dropped him in all the leagues that I had this past week after he came off the injured list and got shelled. Uh, so I'm interested to see what happens in his next start. Is there less pressure because there's someone pitching in front of him? The game's underway. I don't know. Uh, certainly someone I'm going to keep an eye on, but I just feel like he's too volatile and he can blow your team's ERA and whip up. So for now, I think I'm uh, going to... Stay away from him at this point, uh, unless I really, really get desperate. Uh, Hinjin Ryu was phenomenal yesterday. And every time we talk about him, I always say, you got to consider him in DFS. We all know what the situation is with him. Is 
can he stay healthy? And the answer is no. But when he's on the mound, he's dominant. And I took him in several drafts this year, you know, right around round 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range. And I think this was the case with a lot of pitchers this year. There was a lot of talented pitchers where we knew we're just not going to get 150 innings out of them. And Ryu is one of those guys. We can go through the list, the Chris Paddocks, the Matt Strong. There's a lot of those guys. But when they are on the mound, they're going to be great. And injuries are going to occur. I mean, look, Corey Kluber, Ty on Paxton, we go on and on. And some of those guys we expect, and others are surprises. So we're all going to be dealing with pitchers that are not giving us a ton of innings. But, man, when Ryu's on the mound, it's great. And he's already spent one stint on the injured list. Fortunately, for those that have him, he's missed the minimum amount of time. But he threw a four-hit shutout yesterday, walked none, struck out six. Uh, he has pitched at least seven innings in four of his seven starts. His last three, 24 innings, 16 hits, three runs, no walks, and struck out 22. He's got a great team behind him. He's 4-1 and one with a 2.03 ERA, a 0.81 whip, 27.6% strike rate, and a 1.2% walk rate. I mean, this guy's good. Now, I could understand if you have him saying, you know what, I, I, I got to sell on this because it's not going to last. Now, I think in any competitive league, that fantasy owner is cognizant to the fact that Ryu is a guy that we cannot count on to throw more than... What, 120 innings? I mean, if Ryu gives me 120 innings, I'll take it. Like, I was asking someone, if I if I guaranteed you that Ryu was throwing 30 start, making 30 starts this year, where do you rank him? And it's got to be top 15. And, and I know you could say, well, he's never going to start 30 games. And that's a fair counter-argument. But this guy had a 1.970 ERA in 82 and third innings last year. Two years ago, 126 and two-thirds innings. He had a 3.770 ERA where he got hurt by allowing home runs. But... This guy's shown over the last two years, man. He is a dominant pitcher when he's on the mound. And hopefully he doesn't land on the injured list today because I'm talking about him so much. But, you know, that is a factor with him. But I do have him in a couple leagues, and I understand it's going to be frustrating. And wouldn't be surprised if he spent another stint on the injured list. And, of course, the Dodgers have to watch his innings because they have designs of winning a World Series. And they're going to need this guy for the postseason. So uh, if I had him... You, I, I've always said this. You always shop someone at their peak value, and his value is high. I just don't know if you're going to get the proper return. And I think this is an instance in a lot of cases where if you got guys pitching well, you just kind of ride with them. I feel like every pitcher is going to get hurt. It just feels that way with the way we've gone through things this year. Uh, another pitcher that I think is very interesting right now, and I did pick him up in two leagues. I think I picked him up in the NFPC auction two weeks ago uh, before – he was actually on the injured list at the time, and he was supposed to come back that week. Originally, I think he was going to have a two-start week, and they pushed him back, and uh, he winds up having a two-start this week. And then in another 15-team league, uh, the GST league, which I talk about quite often, I picked him up uh, this past weekend. I knew Steve Matz was hurt. I saw he had a two-start week. I liked the matchups. That's Lucas Giolito. And... Giolito is showing some signs here. I mean, he was a top prospect for the Nationals, and he has really done nothing. We've just seen him at the major league level not showing the ability to strike out hitters, and that's a problem. But we have seen some good signs lately. I mean, his strikeout percentage is up to 29.2%. He was at 16.1% last year. Now, the walks are still a problem. 
11.5% walk rate, but a 1.29 whip, that's actually not bad considering the walk rate. Uh, he doesn't allow hard contact. His velocity is slightly up uh, on his fastball, and uh, he's looked pretty good. The swing strike percentage is 12%. Uh, he's throwing more first-pitch strikes, and this is a prospect with a high pedigree. So in 15-team leagues, you know, I think he's an ad. You could even make a case for him in a 12-team league because we've mentioned so many arms that went down. I mean, you could have had Kluber and Tyon on your team, and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. i got to find someone. Uh, but a very good start yesterday for Giolito. I know it was against Cleveland, but seven and a third scoreless innings, only three hits, three walks, and eight Ks. And his start before that, coming off the injured list against Boston, five innings, seven hits, three runs, two walks, seven Ks. Not bad. Uh, and he was actually cruising before he had a hamstring injury on April 17th against Kansas City. Uh, he had pitched two and two-thirds scoreless innings, one walk, and five Ks. So he was well on his way to a really nice outing, potentially. Uh, but we're seeing the strikeouts there. And, you know, again, the walks are still a little bit of a concern. But a little bit better over his last two starts. So, uh, Giolito certainly uh, was a two-star pitcher that I did recommend this week. If you read the two-star pitcher article that I have every weekend, Giolito was on it. I thought there was a, a real potential here for him to do something. Uh, now, one player that I did like going in the year that's really been a disappointment right now, that's Colin McHugh. Uh, another bad outing yesterday. Used him in DFS. McHugh got off to a really good start this season. His first four starts were phenomenal. And as a McHugh owner, you were feeling really good. And it has just gone south over the last four starts. And last night against the Royals, I mean, it was just uh, an abysmal start. Uh, three innings, seven hits, eight earned runs, two home runs, three walks, three Ks. Just awful. Uh, and he had a start against Texas on April 21st where he allowed nine earned runs and three and a third. Now, his two starts sandwiched in between there weren't awful they weren't great against minnesota six innings five it's four runs one walk but only two k's start against cleveland five and two thirds four it's three runs three home runs two walks and nine k's so that's the biggest problem is the home runs right now is really hurting McHugh. he allowed one home run in his first four starts he's allowed eight in his last four so i know the McHugh questions are going to start and I did answer one today. We're in a 12-team league where I could see dropping him. I'm holding him in a 15-team league. If you play in a 15-team league, you know how difficult it is to find pitching. In a 12-teamer, I could see getting rid of him. I, I, as I said, if I'm the Astros, I, I give him a couple more starts to see where it goes. Uh, the strikeouts are there. Again, I think the biggest problem is the home runs. And right now, too, the strand rate, 56.9%. Very unlucky there. That's a number that should be around the 73% range. Uh, but it's really the home runs that have been a big factor. Uh, nine home runs in 41 innings. So that's really what's hurting them. Even with all this, the whip is still good. Uh, the strikeout rate's 24%. And the velocity is down because he's gone from pitching in the bullpen where you can max out for one inning, where if you're stretched out as a starter, you're not able to do that as much. So there's definitely some concern there. The slider is really his best pitch, which he's thrown quite a lot. He doesn't really throw the fastball much. It's about 30%. Uh, but, you know, he's still getting swings and misses, and it just kind of looks like a bad period here for McHugh. So I'm going to stay a little patient with him and hold on uh, in most leagues uh, for now. But I understand why people are concerned, and Houston does have alternatives. I know everyone's bringing up Forrest Whitley, but as we discussed, you know, he 
is not pitching well in the minor leagues. He's got an ERA over 10, and I don't think they're going to call him up right away for that. Uh, Pete Alonso, if you didn't see it, he had a monster home run yesterday. You got to see the highlights. Alonso's been one of the best values in fantasy this year. Obviously, he's cooled off a little bit, but man, this guy's got immense power. His 11th homer of the year last night in the top of the ninth, giving the Mets a, a much-needed win as they came back in that game. He's hitting 284, 362 OBP, 11 homers, 31 RBIs for a guy where we weren't even sure if he would make the team. And he's probably their best hitter right now, or one of their best hitters. And I think we all expect the average to come down. Uh, no one expects him to hit 284. I think the best uh, prognostications were 250 at best. But this guy clearly is hitting. He's going to go through a slump. Uh, if I had him, I, I kind of want to keep him. If you overwhelm him in a trade, sure. Uh, the two leagues I have him in, it's non-trading league. So I can't really give you examples of any offers I've received or uh, traded away. But again, everyone has a price. But this guy definitely looks like the real deal. Certainly has the moxie to play in New York. And he even said yesterday was a must win. And he went out there and delivered in a big way for the New York Mets. And he has delivered for his fantasy teams as well. When we return, we'll take a look at some of the live action from this afternoon as well as look at some lineups for tonight, getting you ready for the night in DFS and your season-long leagues here on Full-Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Lose weight now. Go to fat100.com. Lose that unwanted belly fat today and get free information at fat100.com. Fit in the dress or pants or bathing suits you've always wanted to. Go to fat100.com. Lose 10, 20, or more pounds immediately. Go to fat100.com. For free information on how you can lose weight, go to fat100.com. Fat100.com. That's fat100.com. Are you single? Everyone single is looking for the best date possible. Well, I found one website that can find you the best date, and it's called TheBestDate100.com. Just go there and log in for your free trial and see if you can find your new and maybe last best date. Remember, you can find the best date of your life at TheBestDate100.com. That's TheBestDate100.com. One more time, TheBestDate100.com. Keith Irizarry is calling the shot. Yang has a big matchup with Frank. Danfold? It's Frank. Roto Frank, right? That's that's what he goes with. Hi. Uh, and Yang, if you win this week, you are going to be hosting the Best Friends Forever show right here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Is that right? If I win, I become a guest. Off the gate of the first game today, I was already winning five sets. Frank Stanford, he's going down. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Back here, it is full-time fantasy. Adam Ronis solo here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can catch all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. Got to look at Martin Perez. I'll have my baseball stock watch coming up tomorrow. Dr. Roto takes a look at the draft recaps going through each division and 
Sean Childs, getting you ready for football. If you haven't checked out these team outlooks that he does, they're insane. I mean, he goes really in-depth and gives you everything you need, schedule breakdown, offensive line, coaching, everything. I mean, it's a real good primer to get you ready for football, especially now. You know, a lot of people think, oh, football is several months away. No, you got to put in the groundwork to get the edge and win a championship now. This is when you start. Uh, you get what you put in the work into things in life, and you always put in the work and make sure you know everything. You know, you don't want to have let anyone else have an edge on you. So you can start taking a look at these team previews as the Patriots and Bills are up as he goes and starts at the AFC East. So make sure you check it out now. And any specific questions you have, ask them on the message boards and forums and play FFWC.com to hop in a draft, whether it's uh, taking over a dynasty orphan team, uh, starting from scratch at a dynasty startup, or getting in a best ball draft. We have you covered different price points, time on the clock, slow drafts, drafts in one setting, whatever it is, we got you covered. So check it out. Play FFWC.com. Catch gambling addicts, red heat and rage, Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart on Game Time Decisions coming up next at 4 p.m. Eastern weekdays right here on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network as they bitch and moan about their previous night's bad beats and let you know who their money is on for all the upcoming games, and they bet on all of them. You can also watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in the chat room or watch it on Periscope, Twitch.tv, or countless of other popular OTT platforms. Become part of the show. Tune in for the entertainment, the knowledge, and for the extra money they'll put in your pockets. It's Game Time Decisions weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. We got day baseball, which I love. Always like having some day baseball here on a Wednesday afternoon is usually is the case. A lot of afternoon baseball on Wednesdays. So uh, we start by looking at the Pirates and the Rangers. This game is 6-6 in the top of the ninth inning. Hunter Pence with his fifth home run of the year. Hunter Pence has played well. The problem is he's not in the lineup consistently, and uh, here he is in a uh, on the ballpark. Now, he wasn't in the starting lineup today because there was no left-hander on the mound, but he had a pinch hit home run uh, that was a big home run because it was off uh, Felice in the eighth inning with three on, a grand slam. So a, a big home run for Hunter Pence uh, here today. Uh and Texas actually has just taken the lead. Uh, so the Rangers uh, take the lead in the top of the ninth inning uh, as they uh, go up 7-6. to six. Elvis Andrews, a big day, 3-for-5 with a run scored. He has two stolen bases. That's eight steals on the year for Elvis Andrews, who was a good value this year. And I've mentioned many times, shortstop is a position that, to me, was so deep. There were so many guys I locked. Paul DeYoung. Uh, part of my preseason pro pick, he was my NL sleeper. Loved him hitting third in lineup. Loved Jorge Polanco. Loved Marcus Simeon. There was just so many good shortstops in that range. You couldn't get all of them. I was able to get Andrews in two leagues. I remember he had the injuries last year, and I wasn't banking on the power. He had over 20 home runs for the first time two years ago, and you know I think that was the year we all thought the baseball was juiced, but it may be again. But Andrews is having a, a really good year as uh, two stolen bases. Uh, and the Rangers just took the lead on a uh, Rugnet Odor home run. Uh, so he hits a uh, uh, two-run homer, only a third of the year. I think Odor is going to be fine. Uh, I like him going into the year. He's really struggled. He's only hitting 141, uh, but I have him in several leagues. He's been in my lineup. Just be patient with him. And Joey Gallo, another home run, his 12th of the season. Uh, he's hitting 274. <laughs> I mean, if Joey Gallo hits 274 this year, 
fantasy owners got themselves an absolute heist. Now, the league where I have Gallo is an on-base percentage league because obviously his OBP was still uh, decent because he walked so much, so I didn't have to worry about average. His OBP is 426. I mean, really helping me out. He's got 12 homers, 28 RBIs. I think we all knew he had a good shot at 4,100 or 4,090, 4,080, but the average is a big deal. Uh, Delano DeShields with his eighth stolen base of the season. He's in jeopardy of losing some playing time, so he was a pinch hitter in this game. So keep that in mind. Uh, you know, we obviously drafted him or have him on a roster for the speed, but uh, he could lose some playing time. Nick Kingham got the start for the Pirates. Four innings, three hits, two runs, three walks, five Ks. Not too bad for him, 78 pitches. Starling Marte with his sixth stolen base of the year. Again, that's why you drafted him. Uh, as he is one for four with a run. Melky Cabrera continues to hit well. He's hitting 350. Two for four with a run scored. So I actually do have Melky Cabrera in two leagues. One is Tout Wars, where I've been hammered by injuries, and uh, the great fantasy baseball invitational uh, needed a bat to fill in with some injuries. And uh, he is in my lineup. I'm hoping that I can take him out soon because I'm about to get, uh, hopefully, Aaron Hicks back potentially this weekend uh, as he has begun his rehab assignment. The Diamondbacks beating the Rays this afternoon, 2-0. Uh, Robbie Ray, really good outing. But once again, five and two-thirds. So five and two-thirds, scoreless innings, four hits, three walks, 11 strikeouts, 95 pitches, 61 for strikes. But he's got a 3.30 ERA. Uh, but again, that's my biggest problem with him is uh, just not going deep into games. But he, he's been pretty good so far. Uh, just the inconsistency of the walks uh, are really a problem for me, which is why I did not draft him. But, you know, those numbers so far are good. We'll see if he can continue it. David Peralta, three hits for the D-backs. He's hitting 315 on the season. And the Rays just not doing much offensively this afternoon. Only player with multiple hits, Tommy Pham. He's had a great year, batting 301 with a 409 OBP. Charlie Morton, solid start here. Five innings, seven hits. So four walks, though, that really hurt him. Uh, two earned runs and eight strikeouts. Charlie Morton, though, does have a 2.64 ERA on the season. So he's off to a good start, but not going to get a win today for the Rays. Also this afternoon, the Brewers beating the Nationals 7-3. Man, the Nationals are just a disaster. Uh, they just have had a lot, a lot of injuries. Something's not right with that team, and they were actually my pick to win the NL East this year. I thought they were going to be really good. Uh, I thought they had a good lineup, and they've had injuries, but... I don't know, something just doesn't seem right with this team. And, I mean, I guess it's easy to say, let's see how they look when they're healthy, when you get Trey Turner back. Uh, obviously, he's a big key. They did get Rendon back, but, you know, Ryan Zimmerman's not a big loss. He's, he hits when healthy, but uh, some injuries here in the lineup right now. And uh, interested to see what happens when they get full health, if they don't fall too far behind. Mike Moustakis going yard for the Brewers, his ninth of the year. Really liked him a lot going into this year, and especially now he's got that second base, third base eligibility. Two for four, two run, two RBIs, hitting 274 with a 343 OBP, and he's also driven in 24. And Christian Yelich, I think that back is okay. He had a home run in the first inning, his 16th of the season, hitting 350. Uh, he has driven in 37, and he also stole his seventh base. Man, Christian Yelich. I know a lot of people said he was going to regress, but uh, again, I'll say it, uh, and I'm not saying this because I was right. I just I took him third in that GST draft. I had the third pick, and honestly, I didn't like it. I was because I thought I could get Yelich at seven or eight. That's why. So when you picked third this year, I was like, 
I just don't love anyone there. I didn't want to take Max Scherzer. I don't take a pitcher that early. I was fine taking Jacob DeGrom late in the first round. But Lindor was hurt at the time. Uh, Jose Ramirez I had a little bit of concern about. And it came down to Yelich or Acuna or J.D. Martinez. And I just said, you know what? Even if Yelich regresses, he's got a good shot to hit 25 to 28 home runs. I thought he hit over 300. I thought he could steal 20 bases. And I love this Brewers lineup in ballpark. And I thought the counting stats would be there. But, man, I mean, Yelich is on pace to potentially at 30 again. Uh, but I just thought he had the safest floor, man. Maybe he's got a higher ceiling than I thought. But certainly feel really good about having Yelich uh, on that team. Uh, Woodruff with a really good start today. Six innings, four hits, one run, no walks, and nine Ks. And the Ks have been there for him this year. He's got a 4.25 ERA. So uh, this is the exact kind of start you wanted to see from Woodruff for those that drafted him. And, starting to trim that ERA down. So I think he's going to have a, a pretty solid year for the Brewers. And again, uh, with that team and offense, they'll put him in position to win games. And we know they had that strong bullpen to close out some of those wins. Also this afternoon, the Phillies beating the Cardinals 5 to nothing. Gerard Eikhoff with another outstanding start. Remember, he came into the rotation because they sent Nick Pavetta down to the minor leagues. Eikhoff with eight scoreless innings, three hits, three walks, four strikeouts, He's throwing 106 pitches, 63 for strikes. His ERA is now 1.50 on the season. Cesar Hernandez leading off today with Andrew McCutcheon getting the day off. He is 3-for-5 with a run and three RBIs. His third home run of the season. Nick Williams with two hits for the Phillies. And the Cardinals lineup just is very, very quiet today. And this is an impressive lineup. It's tough to hold this lineup in check. Uh, they do have a couple guys who are slumping right now, including Matt Carpenter and Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt's down at 241. Uh, but Eikhoff holds him in check today. And Jack Flaherty, you know, he's been one of the disappointments so far that was taken in that fourth round of drafts. Five innings, four hits, four runs, three earned, three walks, and two strikeouts. His area is 4.32. So he looked really dominant in the spring, and he really started to move up draft boards. And I like the arm, but I had some trepidation. I didn't feel good taking him in the fourth round. And, uh, you know, when you see him in the spring, you're like, oh, maybe I'm wrong on this, but definitely had some concerns. By the way, uh, Chris Martin's on for the save for Texas here in the bottom of the ninth inning. We saw Sean Kelly get the save uh, in their first opportunity post-Jose LeClerc, although LeClerc did throw two scoreless innings yesterday. I think he gets that job back at some point. Uh, I think they're just getting him to pitch in some low-leverage situations, get some confidence back in the ninth inning. They put him back in the rotation. Let's take a look at some lineups for tonight. We got the White Sox in Cleveland. Ronaldo Lopez against Shane Bieber. For the White Sox, Joao Moncada leading off at third base. Nicky Delmonico in left field hitting second. Jose Abreu at first. Yonder Alonso, the DH. Wellington Castillo at catcher. Charlie Tilson in center field. Guy that definitely has some speed. Tim Anderson at short hitting seventh. Yomar Sanchez at second base. And Ryan Cordell in right field hitting ninth. For the Indians, Francisco Lindor leading it off at short. Jason Kipnis at second base. Jose Ramirez at third. Carlos Santana at the DH, Carlos Gonzalez in left field, Jake Bowers at first base, Leonis Martin in center field, Kevin Plowecki behind the plate, and Tyler Naquid in right field, batting ninth. Seattle's in New York to take on the Yankees. Yusei Kikuchi against Jonathan Loisiga for the Mariners. D. Gordon leading off in center. Mitch Hanniger, I mean, D. Gordon's in second base leading off. Mitch Hanniger's in center field, second. Daniel Vogelbach, the DH hitting third. Edwin Encarnacion at first base hitting cleanup. Domingo Santana in left field hitting fifth. Jay Bruce in right field hitting six. Omar Navarez a catcher hitting seventh. Ryan Healy at third base hitting eighth. And Dylan Moore, the shortstop, batting ninth. Tim Beckham getting the night off. For the Yankees, DJ LeMayu at second base. Luke Voigt at first base. Clint Frazier in right field. 
Glaber Torres at short. Miguel Andujar is the DH. Looks like they're going to DH him for a little bit. Doesn't look great in the field coming off that injury. Gio Ursula with a big home run yesterday. He's at third base. Cameron Maven in left field hitting seventh. Austin Romine, the catcher as Gary Sanchez gets the night off. And Mike Talkman in center field batting ninth. The Red Sox in Baltimore. Chris Sale against Andrew Kashner. Andrew Benintendi in left. Mookie Betts in right field. J.D. Martinez, the DH. Mitch Moreland at first base. Xander Bogarts at short. Rafael Devers at third. Eduardo Nunez, the second baseman, as Michael Chavis gets the night off. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field. Sandy Leon behind the plate, batting ninth for the Red Sox. For the Orioles, Jonathan VR leads off at second base. Joey Rickard in right field. Trey Mancini at first. Renato Nunez, the DH, hitting cleanup. Hanser Alberto at third base, hitting fifth. Dwight Smith Jr. in left field, hitting sixth. Wilkerson in center field, hitting seventh. Pedro Severino, the catcher. Richie Martin at shortstop, batting ninth. The Twins in Toronto to take on the Blue Jays. Kyle Gibson against Trent Thornton. For the Twins, Max Kepler leads it off. In right field, Jorge Polanco is the shortstop, hitting second. Nelson Cruz, the DH. Eddie Rosario in left field. CJ Crone at first base. Marvin Gonzalez at third. Mitch Garver is the catcher. Jonathan Scope at second. And Byron Buxton in center field. By the way, Miguel Sano doing very well in his rehab assignment, so look for him to be back soon. So if you really need a power bat, he's available on the waiver wire check uh, because... He could be up very soon. For the Blue Jays, Eric Sogard leads off at second base. Freddie Galvis at shortstop, hitting second. Randall Grichik in center field, hitting third. Justin Smoke, the DH. Roddy Telez at first. Billy McKinney in left field. Brandon Jury at third. Socrates Brito in right field. And Luke Malley, the catcher, hitting ninth. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting the night off. The Angels in Detroit. Tyler Skaggs against Matthew Boyd. For the Angels, David Fletcher in second base, leading off. Mike Trout in center field, hitting second. Shohei Otani made a season debut last night, went 0 for 4. He's the DH, hitting third. Angelton Simmons at short, hitting cleanup. Albert Pujols at first base. Brian Goodwin in left field. Jonathan LaCroix behind the plate. Cole Calhoun in right field. And Zach Cosart, who was activated off the injured list yesterday, he's at third base, hitting ninth. For the Tigers, Heimer Candelario leading off at third base. Nicholas Castellanos in right field, hitting second. Miguel Cabrera is at first. Nico Goodrum in left field. Rodriguez, the second baseman, hitting fifth. John Hicks, the catcher, hitting sixth. Brandon Dixon, the DH, hitting seventh. Gordon Beckham at short, hitting eighth. Jacoby Jones in center field, hitting ninth. Uh, Miami is on Chicago to take on the Red Hot Cubs, who have really picked things up lately. It'll be on the mound for the Marlins. Jose Urena, he will go against Kyle Hendricks. For the Marlins, Curtis Granderson leading off in left field. Brian Anderson at third base, batting second. Neil Walker, the first baseman, Hitting third, Jorge Alfaro is the catcher hitting cleanup. Starling Castro's at second base hitting fifth. Miguel Rojas at shortstop hitting sixth. Peter O'Brien in right field hitting seventh. Roselle Herrera in center field hitting eighth. Jose Urena on the mound hitting ninth. The Royals are at Houston to take on the Astros. It'll be Jorge Lopez against Brad Peacock. Certainly he's a guy that needs to pick it up a little bit. Uh, the Giants are in Colorado to take on the Rockies, although it's a uh, pretty Pretty cold there, 42 degrees. Looks like the game time temperature and uh, about a 50% chance of rain, so you want to follow that to see if uh, you're good to get some of your DFS players in. Derek Holland comes off the injured list. He'll pitch for the Giants, and John Gray will pitch for the Rockies. The Reds are in Oakland, 10.07 p.m. Eastern. Sonny Gray against Brett Anderson, and the Reds always put up their lineup early. I don't, it, they're great. Nick Senzel back in the leadoff spot in center field as they keep changing their lineup. Joey Votto's at first base hitting second. Suarez at third. Puig's in right field hitting cleanup. Jose Iglesias hitting fifth at shortstop. 
Kyle Farmer at second base hitting sixth. Kirk Caselli is the catcher hitting seventh. Jose Peraza is back in the lineup playing left field. He's hitting eighth. And Josh Van Meter, who was called up over the weekend, he's the DH hitting ninth. So it's just a constant amount of changes in this Reds lineup. Everyone shuffled around. Peraza is a guy you need to keep an eye on to see if he gets the playing time. He was starting to pick it up, and then they sent him to the bench. So a lot of moving pieces here, and you got to really pay attention to see what they do. Peraza was counted on to steal some bases, and uh, he's been hitting at the bottom of the order and got to worry a little bit about his value. The Braves are in L.A. to take on the Dodgers. It'll be Mike Fulton-Newich against Clayton Kershaw, and Kershaw's been good since he came back, at least six innings in all four of his starts. So he got pushed down the draft board. Uh, I was not taking him. I was definitely worried about his health, but he has been tremendous so far this year. By the way, Chris Martin does get the save for Texas. So Sean Kelly got the first opportunity without Jose Clerk in there. Martin gets the save today as Texas beats the Pirates 9-6. to That wraps it up here. You can check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. Hop in a draft at playffwc.com. I'll be back Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thank you.